0: This morning comes from the 13th chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Salome fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here. For three years, I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I still find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year. Until I dig around it, put some fertilizer on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. It's God's word for us this morning. The passage that I read has two distinct but related parts. Verses 1 through 5 talk about disasters that have occurred. One of the disasters... Is, called by human, is caused by human conduct. It is political in nature. Pilate has ordered, has, uh, has ordered and uh, and uh, operated, carried out the execution of several people who were sacrificing, who were worshiping at the temple. He's had them killed. We don't know for what reason other than perhaps just to show and demonstrate his power? But they had been executed politically. The second part of the verses one through five deal with what we might call natural disaster. A tower has collapsed and randomly killed 18 people. So, Jesus is approached in this moment asked, and asked the question, why did this tragedy happen to these people? Why did this happen? Behind, perhaps, the question is the notion, the idea that existed in Jerusalem and it still exists today in some parts of the church that God rewards faithfulness and God punishes evil. That there's always a correlation. There's always a quid pro quo. If you do this, you get this. Whether whether what you do is good or whether what you do is bad. If you do something bad, you're going to be punished. If you do something good, you're going to be rewarded. The very first psalm in the Bible seems to indicate that kind of theology. That you get what you deserve. Jesus sets aside that kind of thinking. By responding, do you think that these folks were any worse sinners than other people in Galilee, the people who were killed politically? Do you think the folks that were crushed by the tower are any worse sinners than anybody else in Jerusalem? Do you think they deserved what they got? The better question that Jesus begins to ask or begins to point folks to is not the why question, but what do we do with this? Where do we go from here? What happens when people are randomly shot when they're in their workplace? Several people killed. As we had just this past week, several people killed, a number of people wounded. Were they any worse sinners than the other several hundred people that worked in the factory? What about the tornadoes that devastated certain parts of our country, and particularly some places in Louisiana? Did those folks somehow deserve What happened to them? Jesus says, the answer is no, and then he turns the question to a better question. Given that these kinds of things do happen, given that sometimes we can't answer, give an answer as to why they happen, why this tragedy has occurred. But given the fact that it does happen, how is that going to make a difference for what you're doing with your life? If life can be taken away so suddenly and seemingly without reason, what does that say about the way you're living Your life. Jesus says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you may perish and perish without ever having asked yourself a question or without ever living out the question, where is God in my life? Where do I go now? What do I do now? You see, you can ask some why questions forever. All of us who've had children, I would suspect, at some point, our child or children have found that they can continue to just ask the question why to to the point of being really annoying. I've got a granddaughter now that has has learned this. And uh, there's no end to it. No matter what the answer is, the next question is always, why? And in that little game, children learn what we already should know as adults, that sometimes there just isn't an answer. Sometimes the answer or the question is not why, but given this happened, what do I do now? Where do I go now? Jesus, in the story, it's it, calls us to repentance. To the idea of changing our life, looking at our life, and asking ourselves, is this what God wants me to be. Is this how God intends, me to, uh, intends for me to live? Is there something more that God might have in mind for me? And if there is, am I taking any time to try to discover what that might be? Or do I put it off for another day, for another day? What's the big rush? What's the hurry? Jesus seems to indicate, well, there could be a a tower that falls on you. You could be subject to some kind of random act of violence, tragedy that you would never anticipate. What are you going to do? How are you going to live? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go with a life? that God has given you. What kind of difference are you going to make? Do you want to make? Or have you even thought about that? Well, Jesus deals with that first part, creating, you know, in in his his answer, in his uh, call to us to repent, to change, creating in us, hopefully, a sense of urgency. It's important. Don't mess around. Don't put it off for another day. And then we come to the story of the fig tree, where God's judgment is tempered by God's patience, so that as the story unfolds, There's a worthless fig tree. You could look at uh, the landscape of our lives and perhaps we've done the same thing to other people. We've looked at somebody who is worthless or we think is worthless and we decide we just need to cut them loose. I talked with a minister down in Atlanta uh, about a year or so ago and he was talking to me about his ministry and he was talking about some of the people that he had to deal with in his ministry, the kind of ministry that he did, and how he couldn't get them to respond or how he couldn't get them to appreciate the things that were part of their life and the things that God was doing in their life. And he'd become so frustrated, he said to me, Greg, sometimes you just got to cut them loose. Just let them go. Just cut them loose. Well, the story of the fig tree, cut it down, is the answer. It's not bearing fruit. It's worthless. It's wasting the soil. has no business being here. Cut it down. Yet the gardener says, wait, wait, to the master. Let's wait a minute. Let's just wait. Let me work with it a little bit. Let me fertilize it some. Let me till the ground a little more. Let's give some time. Let's be patient. Let's see if this tree can bear fruit. Well, sometimes the temptation is to say, let's just cut him loose. Let's just cut her loose. I'm not going to waste my time anymore on this person. Might even be a family member. We've just had it up to here. It's over here, over the top. Let's cut them loose. We need to remember that God's mercy... As always, in conversation with God's judgment, there's always God's patience with us. And there's always Jesus' call to us as part of changing our lives to perhaps be a little more patient with other people, a little more understanding, a little more loving a little more compassionate, a little more forgiving. There's always this notion in God's mercy that patience is an important virtue. That taking time to help somebody, to be nurturing, might produce amazing, miraculous, results work with it a little bit that person water the tree take care of it see if it grows God's patience the lesson of the fig tree is to to live each day as a gift from God With patience, with compassion, pointing toward where God would have us to where God would have us to go, given what life brings to us. Where is it that God would have us to go? Fred Craddock, who was one of my professors and certainly a noted noted preacher. shared with his class uh, one day these words. He said a prayer that he prays every day. And I'll close with these very good words. God, thank you for giving me a day that that is more important than how I feel about it. God, thank you for giving me a day that is more important than how I feel about it. God, thank you for giving me people that are more important than how I feel about them. God, thank you for giving me the opportunity to change in my life, to be a little more patient, a lot more patient, to pay attention to the things that you would have me to do and to live those things out And Lord, just as you've been patient with me, God, grant me the gift of patience. God, grant that I can care about others the way that you care about me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you For each day that you give us and God we uh, help us to treat that as special as a good day as an opportunity to be better to do better as an opportunity to be closer to you as an opportunity to find you in all that we are and all that we do and everything that we say God, forgive us for our shortcomings, for our failures, for the places where we have not been patient with other people or even with ourselves. And God, help us to know, assure us, Lord, that uh, your desire is for better things, more gracious things in our life, a closer relationship with you. It's in Christ's name, amen.